long and prosper. I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Grimmie. Frog, Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 114 of A Play on Nerds. Uh, this episode, we got something special coming up for you. But first of all, I am Jarman. I'm Steve, the other guy. And we're going to co-host whatever you're about to listen to. That's right. This week, we're bringing back Copycat <clears throat> Cinema to do a special of the gamer or just gamer versus surrogates. Would you say it's the triumphant return of Copycat Cinema? I think it always is. It's always the triumphant return of <laughs> Copycat Cinema. With some truly fantastic movies from 2009 that came out at the same time. They were very similar. That's the premise of Copycat Cinema. Uh, so if you haven't heard before, but, you, you but should. The important thing is my movie's better. But mm. we'll get into that later. So it's been like a full almost two weeks uh, since we last recorded. So what are you been up to, good sir? Oh, man. Just uh, a lot of work. And uh, we're getting into sort of that busy season. So a lot of a lot of, a lot of stuff to do. Uh, but uh, really, I we had, I had Dungeons and Dragons for the first time in like two and a half or three months. We finally met. Had just a really beat, terrible, awful session. Oh, no. Okay. So we lost a player right before we got into this big fight. And our DM had let us keep that player's character because we needed their damage and their utility. Like we had gotten to the, into the situation, assuming we were going to have them. And so each one of us has been playing them. So this week I got to play the, the warlock cleric. Gotcha. Uh, which I was very happy for because had I not, I would have done nothing for our entire four hour session because my character was down 10 minutes in. Like, dead oh dead like dead. down zero okay uh and rolled seven death saving throws and took no other actions in four hours but did he did finally die or did he survive? no i was down i was at two death saving throws but every time i got up i was not back down immediately Jeez. So I literally just spent the whole time rolling death saving throws and doing nothing else. Had I not been also playing the warlock, I would have done nothing. <laughs> that's that's got lucky this time around. I got a little bit lucky, but we just had a really, just a really beat down session where none of us kind of, nothing went kind of the way we thought. And I personally felt like a little bit like ganged up on by the DM. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, I was, I said, I was dead. I was at zero hit points 10 minutes in. And then the DM was like, okay, so I'm going to look up coup de gras rules. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, because it makes sense that the NPCs would still attack you. Oh, no. And I'm like, and I'm like, but I'm unconscious and d literally dead on the ground. He's like, yeah, but they don't have any other focus yet. And so like Ed, who's our book guy who you can name something and he'll tell you what page of the PHB it's on. Right. Uh, players handbook we look folks. we look and he didn't know because he had never had a dm like try to kill a player on purpose try to kill a player like he he everyone was kind of taken aback but it happened huh 
that was when I got to two death saving throws. But it was a really rough session. And then the next day, uh, our DM texted us and said that he is canceling the game. Like completely. It is done. Wow. What he happened? Said he, he said he's not having fun anymore, so he's not preparing the way he should. And because that encounters aren't going well, and it's just this cycle, and we're not enjoying it because he's not enjoying it sort of thing. Well, I, I mean, that does happen, but man, that sucks. What a bad way to go out. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a bad session, at least for me. Some you know, other people were alive for parts of it, uh, but I personally <laughs> didn't do anything but lay on the ground unconscious. Yeah, and like every book and video I've watched about how to DM well, when I've been trying to look into it and finally DM again at some point, it says you have to. The main goal is to have fun, have your players have fun, and so if you're gonna kill a character, at least make it really epic and really funny or amusing and, and make it so it's like be told that story will be told in the universe for eons. Don't just be like, oh uh, yeah, they're kind of just still going to stab you even though you're unconscious. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. a terrible way to go out. Yeah. So, so the, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if he's not having fun, there's no point in it, but right. Yeah. I wish, I wish it would have ended better, but you know, it happens. Well, at least you still have your dungeon world campaign that I'm playing with you. I do. I think we're playing in two weeks. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, that's fine. That's where I'll get my outlet for the time being. For the time being, until you find a new group, which I'm that's sure right. you will. So yeah. So what have you been up to? I hope did you did your Dungeons and Dragons group disband? <laughs> no, they did not. We did skip. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we skipped a week for uh, Valentine's Day stuff because uh, pretty much everyone on the group is married but me. Um, so that's they, fair. But uh, Kate and I actually did something fun for Valentine's Day. Um, we originally were going to stay in some fancy hotel because my girlfriend works for a uh, Marriott. So she gets cheap rates, you know, at hotels and stuff. But then she changed it in, in midstream and took us to Casadega, Florida. Have you heard of that before, Steve? No. So I've known about it most of my life because I grew up here in Florida. But it's uh, a town in Florida that's known for having the most psychics of almost any city in the entire U.S. Like Salem might have them like, you know, neck and neck. But that's more witchcraft. This is more right. psychic. So. Uh, I've always envisioned it as this cool, like big, um, creepy old town, but I get there and it's just like a rundown kind of like almost like redneck community, <laughs> but yeah. it was really interesting and charming. And some of the houses there look like, um, broken down haunted houses, like kind of something you'd see like in Detroit or something. Uh, but we had, it was founded with the community of a spiritualist camp in 1875. And that building is still there. The spiritualist camp was, wow. and, uh, the hotel is one of the oldest buildings there too, where we stayed and it's supposed to be haunted. So it's kind of neat and creaky floors and stuff, but I don't mind where I stay in hotels as long as they're clean, they can be crappy or yeah. good. And it was really clean. It was really nice. And they had a really nice, um, restaurant there we went to for dinner. Um, and then late at night when we were, had a few drinks, we went to go see a psychic. And, um, it was an unfulfilling experience, I'll say, because, um, I'm, I'm really into the paranormal, but I don't really believe any of it. I just, I'm very skeptical and I don't think any of it's inherently true, but I think it's, you want to believe. Yeah. I think, I think it'd be fun to think it could possibly be true. So I go in with an open mind and I'm really respectful to this person. And it it was a guy, he was one of the highest rated psychics there. Um, it's at his house. So he is a little waiting room inside his door and then he has us come in one by one. So I go in first. And he's just wearing a crappy T-shirt and he's really disheveled looking. Um, He's a beautiful house with like really beautiful furniture. I'm really confused by that because he looks so run down. Um, He sits me down. He says, can I see um, an item of yours that uh, you've had for a long time? And I said, "Uh, "Okay." (laughs) he talks like that. And so I gave him my my ring because I always wear a ring on my finger. I fiddle with like a spinny ring. Uh, Right. So they so they just assume people are going to bring stuff with them. I guess anything on you that you have for a long time or for a while. I know, but but what 
like I'm like thinking about what, I, what I'm wearing right now. My wallet, which I'm not going to hand to a psychic. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> or my ring. Like, what else would I hand them? Right. That's true. I don't know. Maybe a shoe. Uh, yeah. Like, what? Say so, no. Everybody <laughs> gives them the ring. That's the answer. Probably. So he said they're fiddling with the ring. It's a very, it's $10 ring. So I lose them all the time. So but I just happen to have this one for quite a while. Um, and he starts going off and he has this weird tick where he keeps, he has his eyes closed and they're kind of fluttering. He's like, okay, okay. And he says like, so I'm seeing this. Okay. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, and so there were three things that were kind of interesting or, or two really. Um, one, he says, I, I see a trip in your future. Okay. Um, a trip somewhere in Florida. Okay. Uh, I, I'm seeing Tampa. Okay. And I said, okay. I didn't give him any yeses or nos, but it's funny because, uh, we're going to Tampa in a month to go to the Renaissance Festival. So I was like, that's interesting that he, I never, okay. I never go to Tampa. So that's kind of weird. Um, and then he mentioned something that was interesting, but he's saying, I'm, I'm seeing a, a, a man with you. Okay. Uh, an older man with a uh, heart problems. He passed away. Uh, he was important in your life about 20, 30 years ago. He's got light hair. Okay. And I was like, huh, interesting. I was like, because that fits the description of my father who passed away. Right. He's got 20, 30 years ago. Though. Well, he's got light hair. He's heavy set. He said as well, my dad was pretty heavy set towards the end. And he 20, 30 years ago, I guess, was when I was born 32 years ago. So maybe that's. Yeah, I guess. But I come to think of it, I'm like, OK, every person in their life probably has someone dead who was overweight, therefore probably had heart problems and light hair because they're old and they have white hair. So I was like, he could say that to pretty much anybody. And right, so right. like, well, oh, he's, yeah. he's looking at you. You, He's gauging you as like a 35 to 40 year old white male. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guessing you play older because you saw you have a lot of uh, salt in your hair. I do. Uh, so he's probably guessing. And so, yeah. <laughs> but it was funny. I was like, oh, I see how this works. All right. So the Tampa thing was weird. Um, and then he said a couple of things to Kate about trips and stuff and how she just recently got a promotion, which is true. Um, and the odd thing was, too, he was texting on his phone the entire time um, off to the side, like occasionally. But the thing is, I was like, oh, he's texting uh, someone about us who's Googling us. But I realized he never got our names. So I was like, okay, well, that can't be possible. He's just rudely texting someone during our reading. Oh, no, no, no. Those kind of psychics, they um, they like they do like text consultations and stuff and they charge by the text. So he was doing two readings at once. Yes, that was that's that's huge business for the ones that do professional. Oh, that is so stupid and terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was totally worth it just to do once because I always want to do one once uh, just for fun. And I know it's wasted money throwing on the ground, but hey, it was fun and silly and it was for entertainment value. Totally worth it. I recommend people try it out for um, just not someone like that. Cynthia, whatever her name was, who's a really popular um psychic for a while there in the 90s uh she kept, oh, I, I only know miss cleo oh miss cleo <laughs> but there was this psychic in the 90s really popular she's on tv shows and stuff and she would kept talking to parents whose children were missing and she would keep offering information before they could tell her anything and so that she would give them wrong information she's like oh I, i'm sorry she was definitely strangled and she's 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 dead i'm really sorry she's like but no they found her she was burned she wasn't strangled and then she's like Oh, I, I must be sensing someone else. <laughs> like it was so terrible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we went to little the little mystic shops there and just had a nice dinner, and it was a, a really unique, fun Valentine's Day. So that's what I've been doing. All right. So does that bring us to some nerdy news? I think it does. All right. It's time for nerdy news. All right. What, All what you right. got for us, Steve? So uh, the cast of Dune has been growing. 
It has. Like crazy. Uh, and some big names have come onto the roster since last we spoke, where I think only like one name was on the roster. Yeah, the French kid. Yeah, the French kid. Timothée Chalamet. Chalamet. He's still involved, unfortunately. Oh, I like him. He's a good uh, actor. But uh, other people that just signed on, uh, Jason Momoa, so hot right now. Mm-hmm. Josh Brolin is signed on. Oscar Isaacs is in. Dave Batista is in. Javier Bardem, Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, it's just, they're putting together a very nice cast for this film. What I worry is that the director of this, um, I'm just now forgetting his name, uh, Dela Bellanu, that guy. Um, he did a lot of beautiful films. He did Arrival. Um, he did um, Blade Runner and Cesario. I think he did Deus Ex Machina as well. Um, mm-hmm. Beautiful, smaller films with like maybe a $50 million budget, even lower than that with Ex Machina, which is like 30 or $20 million. And so now he's getting this bloated ass like movie full of stars, giant budget that usually ends up ruining most uh, artistic directors. Like they just become total schlocks to the studio system. So I hope that doesn't happen with this film. I mean, that that's what happened uh, in the, the Isle of Dodge Moreau. Oh, who, who directed that? I can't remember. Uh, so it's this director who, let me see, uh, hadn't done anything except had done a couple smaller films. Uh, Probably really nice, beautiful films. Isle of Dodge Moreau. But da, da. His name was, oh God, I can't even find it. But they, so basically they brought in this, this young visionary director uh, who had just done the movie Hardware uh, and gave him a giant star Marlon Brando and no control and sent him off to a super far remote location where nobody could oversee what he was doing in Australia. (laughs) And things went really, really bad. I heard that whole Uh, shoot was just miserable. He went insane. He literally disappeared. They replaced him with a different director like a couple weeks in. He like hung around. It was crazy. There's a whole documentary about how how terrible Island Dr. Yeah, Monroe I heard is. about that. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. <laughs> it's a great documentary. So yeah, I hope that doesn't happen to this Dune because I liked the, liked the book Dune when I was a kid. It was it was too dry for me to keep reading. I only read the first one, but it was good. It was just like, this is kind of tough to get through. Right. But yeah, that should be interesting. Uh, my nerdy news is some sad news for some news, some nerds out there. Um, so there's a guy named Vic Mignona. Have you heard that name before? No, it's, it sounds like an Italian food. I don't eat. (laughs) Well, Vic Mignona is, uh, originally known by most people as a, uh, voice actor. Uh, he has over 300 credits in mostly anime. So he's like a Titan of the anime voice acting dubbing world. Um, okay. and, and he's branched out into regular American video games and animation a little bit. Um, a few on-screen credits because he's a good-looking guy as well, but he's in his about 50s now. Um, but the thing I learned who he was from was uh, Star Trek Continues, which was this beautifully made Star Trek fan film series that had a big budget. And they made every frame, every costume, all the makeup and all the lighting and cinematography look exactly like the original series. Like it looks just like it. It's crazy. Um, and he cast himself cause he's executive producer. He kind of made the whole thing as Kirk. So he plays Kirk and he has a great rendition of Kirk. It's like not quite an impersonation, but it's like a interpretation of Kirk, but he still feels like Kirk, you know? Okay. Um, and so I loved it. And so I even saw him at, um, Megacon, the local convention in Orlando. Um, he talked about the new episode and then he played the episode for everybody and then took questions afterwards. Seems really cool. He seemed kind of cocky and full of himself, but I was like, eh, whatever. You got to do that to be Kirk. Um, 
But now, over 40 women have come forward saying, reporting creepy behavior, groping, and outright forcefully kissing them. One woman uh, felt like she was almost going to be raped, but luckily someone banged on the hotel room door looking for them, and they interrupt- interrupted them as she ran away. Um, so he's been me too Ah, that bastard. And of course, out of the woodwork comes all the people supporting him and all men, of course, probably white incels uh, sitting in their mom's basement saying how, you know, he's it's it's not proven guilty yet. I'm like, well, okay, if one or two women come out, it's still you should still be concerned and still try to believe them. But if 40 women come out like there's just no question. This guy's a total creep ball asshole. So even if only 10% of them happened, that's four more women than necessary. Yeah. And if one of them are telling the truth. Um, about one of the more serious accusations. That's all you need. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. One. And so, if, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I hope we get flamed for this because one of our other episodes on YouTube that got so many views and listens was the one we talked about Gamergate and talked yeah. about those dumb incels who are all like saying, Ooh, yeah, but, but that, in that one, we like tagged Gamergate and stuff. I yeah. don't think anyone's going to burn us for this. It's true. But I love seeing those creeps come out of the woodwork and try and defend it and be, they listen to our whole episode. And I'm like, thanks for the listen, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, come on back. You ignorant <laughs> bastard. <laughs> but it just makes me sad because people I, I like uh, and I'm interested in is, is kind of a weird group of people. I, I find random people on the internet or nerdy people that do things I like, like Felicia day, um, and then people like Chris Hardwick, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who have also been me too'd recently for certain things. And it just makes me sad. I'm like, do I have bad taste in people like that? Just, I think are interesting. And then they just become total creep balls. So it's, it's sad. Yeah. So that, uh, that's my sad nerdy news. <laughs> well, that takes us into some dopey dungeons and dragons with Steve. Yeah. Let the dungeons and the dragons begin. It's DNT. The legends of yours. It's DNT. All right, what so you got I, for us this week? I was really bummed out after my DNT group broke up. Oh, I'm so sure. I needed I needed to build something uplifting. Nice. So it was going to make my heart warm, and I went based off of uh, a suggestion we got. I think also from who was it? Paul Wright? No, I think who Daniel Peter Hitch gave us a couple suggestions. Daniel Hitch. It was Hitch. Uh, he also gave me this one. It's Kermit the Frog. Nice. I needed to do something that's going to make me happy, and I did Kermit the Frog. <laughs> All right. So Kermit the Frog, you're going to have to need to work with your DM because the race that most closely works is the lizard folk or the lizard people. Oh, I thought you would have gone with Tortle. From Volo's Guide. Tortle would have also been acceptable. Either one. That's true. Could have gone. Um, and you got to work with your DM for flavor because a lot of the things that would apply to the, the lizard folk, being able to hold your breath for a real long time and, you know, the weird skin and the like odd tendencies all work for both uh, where you need flavor is uh, they've got a bite mechanic that could easily turn into a tongue. <laughs> nice. Um, and they also, as part of the, just get hunters lore, which gives them nature, which Kermit would have from uh, growing up in the swamp proficiency and then animal handling proficiency, which he also definitely has because he deals with all those frogs and dogs and bears and chickens and things and pigs. And pigs and whatevers. <laughs> Gonzo's kind of like a turkey. Uh, so uh, as far as the background goes, he's an outlander. He grew up in the swamp. He doesn't understand all the big city stuff. Uh, he gets proficiency in athletics. We know he can jump like crazy high. He does so in the uh, the, the Muppet movie where he, when he's about to be run over. And he does some crazy flip work in uh, Muppet Treasure Island. True. And survival, he's a frog and catch his own food. 
that's also uh, true. He gets profi- proficiency in an instrument, and that's, of course, the banjo. What else for Kermit the Frog? <laughs> and then it comes to the class. He's definitely a bard. Yep. Uh, from the Glamour College, putting on big, spectacular shows, able to inspire people around him. Uh, he's Take a feat. A good feat would be like inspiring leader, which if you inspire your group for 10 minutes, everyone gets uh, uh, bonus temporary hit points. Oh, yeah. Use that in every uh, session, folks. And then you get some some spells that are going to help you flavor even further, like light, which I think you could, pr- if you were to do the DM, could, uh, could flavor as a spotlight. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, charm person, because uh, everyone kind of forgets this, but back in the day, Kermit was quite the ladies' man. He flirted with a lot of gorgeous women on The Muppet Show. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and then he makes in some fun other things. Uh, silent image put on. You could, he could make basically illusionary sets <laughs> uh, and suggestion help to guide people in the right way. Um, so yeah, Kermit the Frog, I think, is a, a lizard folk or lizard man. Uh, Bart. That is perfect. When it comes down to it. I'm going to keep all these recordings. Of course, I keep them all anyway, but I want to go back and make some of these characters eventually. <laughs> so oh, much man. fun. None of them are playable. Almost none of them are playable. <laughs> hey, you can find a way with a good DM. That's true. All right. Does all right. that take us into our main segment? Almost, because I have a oh, surprise right. game for you. Yeah. So, you know, we're doing copycat cinema of gamer and surrogates. So both Steve and I have a appropriate game on either end of this feature to play for this. So I'm going to go off the gamer route here and I'm going to play songs, theme songs from or mostly mostly theme songs from video games. And Steven has to tell me what game it is from. Oh, crap. Okay. Now, sometimes it'll be a little more specific. Like I'll do a couple from one game and you'll say, oh, that's that one part of the game where this is happening because you'll you'll probably recognize a lot of them, but some of them might be a little tougher. Crap. All right. Let's see how this goes. I'm excited, though. All right. So I'm going to throw you a softball first. Super Mario Brothers, the original. That's right. The original. I'm going to turn this down a little bit. All right. Now, next one. Do you recognize it? Kinda. <laughs> we played this a lot as kids. At least I know I did. I don't know, man. That one is Sonic the Hedgehog, Green Hill Zone. Oh, uh, I never had a Sega Genesis. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I was the Sega I, guy. That's why I loved yours, is because I never got to play them. I like coming to your place to play your Super Nintendo. So it worked that's out right, really see? well. <laughs> and what was the one after Super Nintendo? Oh, the N64. No, before that, was, that, you had... Oh, the GameCube is what I'm thinking of later on. Yeah, That's right. I had the GameCube. Yep. <laughs> All right, this is another softball. Okay. <laughs> Tetris. That's right, Tetris. Here we go. Some of these are big softballs. Gotta know that one. Is that uh, one of the Legends of Zelda? That's the original, man. Yeah. There's some great heavy metal uh, covers of that. You should listen to that. <laughs> All right. Epic. Here's one, maybe a little more difficult, but you might get it. Okay, okay. I can't hear anything. Oh, let me turn it up. I don't know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Nope, it's Contra. Contra. (laughs) That was a little before our time. A little bit, yeah. All right, so here's another one. This is more specific. You got to be here. 
That is from uh, the Super Nintendo version Super Mario World. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Super Mario World theme, Overworld theme, I guess is what they call it. There we go. It. But you're, you're right on. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can hear the rest of it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another one you might not get. Let's see. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. That's Sonic the Hedgehog, and that's like the in-between level thing. That's it, the main title thing, basically, yeah. Yeah. So you got that one. All right. Well, I only know that because the uh, animated series used that same rift. Mm. Sonic the Hedgehog. That's the only reason I... All right. I never watched the animated series. It's not good. (laughs) Well, they have a crappy movie coming out soon, too, live action. Hey, we're just going to assume it's crappy. (laughs) (laughs) So this one I didn't know, but you might know because of your... Your uh, console background. Okay. <laughs> Is that a Final Fantasy? Nope. I got nothing. That is Donkey Kong Country. Uh, I never got into those games. I never did either. I played that Bongo game once they had. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Softball. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Pac-Man? Yeah, I was like scared for All a second right. there. All right. I knew it was old. I just couldn't remember which old one. All right, this is a game I did not play, but I know for a fact you did. Okay. Here we go. Uh, it's Pokemon something. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon red, blue, and yellow <laughs> theme, it says. Oh, right. hell yeah. All right, here we go. That is the underwater level from the original Super Mario Brothers. That is correct. All right, here we go. It's classic, man. Whoops, it's playing the second one. Say <laughs> uh, that again. It's something from Super Mario Brothers 3. It might be like a transition. Oh, you're off. Or, oh, I'm off? Yep. Okay, never mind then. It's Duck Hunt. Oh, <laughs> damn. All right. I'm not keeping track here. There's two. There's a... I have three-eighths of a point. Okay, good. <laughs> this is me rapid fire here. Okay. Shit. Oh, Kirby. Yeah, I had to wait for that part too. Because that's the yeah, fabric. that's what I needed. All right, here we go. Here's a little newer song. Oh, crap. That's words? I'm making a note here. Huge success. <laughs> no oh, idea. Oh, Portal. There yeah, we go. there you go. Good job. All right, this one is a throwback as well. Played a lot of hours in this game. Uh, you recognize it for sure. I do. <laughs> Any guesses? I got nothing, man. Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario. <laughs> I always sucked at puzzle games like that and Tetris. I'm oh, yeah. Never good at it's rough. Here we go. I got nothing. Final Fantasy. Mega Man. Oh, yeah, I never played those. Here we go. Here's a, here's a classic. 
Streets of Rage 2? No. What is that? It's got Street in the name. Oh, Street Fighter. Street Fighter 2 or the original. One it's, the yeah, two. it's Guile's theme from Street Fighter. <laughs> Here's a weird one that I think uh, you should get, though. Wait for it to kick into the, the chorus. Not that. This. Based on it, I'm going to guess it's Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> it's Gremlins 2, the video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. they, they made one of each one. I just, I've never actually heard the music. I was guessing based off of the, 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 the theme of the music. Right. I wonder if they're actually good games or not. Probably not. All right. We've got three more. We'll be All right. done. That is the like menu that when you're choosing a level in Mario three, Super Mario Brothers three. That's right. I love Mario three. That's the one I played the most. Uh, that's so good. And here's two you might not get. Okay. Nope, definitely not. But it's double dragon. Okay. Yeah, nothing. Last one I did play this game. I don't know if you did or not. Really young. Can't say. That's pretty much all it has. A <laughs> uh, driving game? I don't know. Kind of. It's skate or die. Uh, skate or die. <laughs> so I'm going to say you got 40 billion points. Yay. <laughs> I think we have, a, we have a sound for that. I think it sounds like this. Yay. <laughs> all right. So that brings us to our main segment to talk about uh, copycat cinema gamer versus surrogates. And I have a That's song for that. Ooh. probably get copyright flag for that <laughs> so um, so uh this week i will be defending gamer oh, and journal will be defending surrogates two movies that came out in 2009 with so many of the same thematic elements it's absolutely incredible so yeah these movies aren't exactly the same i mean they're um both just about in the future and how we go into other people's bodies in some way so that's kind of the the main gist Right. But the consequence of like not doing things as yourself or the lack of consequences of not doing things as yourself, rather. That's true. It's the same theme, I guess. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's thematic elements through and through. Holy crap. So I should say for any possible new listeners out there, Copycat Cinema, where we pick two films from the same year that are pretty much almost the same movie or on the same exact themes. Um, for some reason, studios didn't coordinate and they released these movies at the same time. And generally, one of us will pick one of the movies we're going to defend. Um and we'll kind of go through the story of the film and go through a little bit of points about what happened and then defend it to the death or just That's a little right. bit. So you want to start uh, with gamer first? That's right. Okay. So we're in the near future and there's billboards everywhere with this guy cable and this game slayer 2034. And all of a sudden you're on a battlefield guys running with guns, Gerard Butler shooting people and, and, you know, sweating and being dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Gross. you kind of get the idea like something's not quite right. Like, yeah, it's a battlefield movie, which you've seen Gerard Butler before, but there's like random bystanders aimlessly walking and people pretending to hand money back and forth. And then you get to see a guy come over and teabag another guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he hits a save point and that's when you get your first glimpse of that, that there's that it's a game kind of right. You get the first look at the handler, the kid. Uh, you get introduced to to Castle, who is the villain, effectively played by Michael C. Hall, 
uh, Dexter. Yeah. Dexter. Who's like a genius billionaire who came up with this virtual world thing where people can control other people or pay to be controlled. And then there's Slayer, which is the game that Gerard Butler's character is involved in. And then there's Society, which is basically The Sims, but you take over a real human being. And the idea is that Slayer is populated by people who are on death row. And so you can win 30, I think it's 30 matches. And if you 30. win if you win 30 matches, then you get to be go free, basically. But they don't expect anyone to ever make it through all the way because a kid is controlling your body like a game controller. Um, right. And then the Sims one, the society is basically people who are just hard up for money. They can be paid to be controlled by people to just do like, yeah, like the Sims are that life uh, second life game. People have you know, sex with each other and stuff. And it's yeah. uh, interesting. Uh, and Castle is kind of painted as this eccentric, almost God complexy kind of character. Uh, and that's when you get the first look at the humans, the resistance with the Z. these people telling you not to trust Castle and that he's going to enslave everybody. Um, and somewhere in here, you learn about the stakes that you just mentioned, where if they make 30, they get to walk free. Uh, but then there are also these bystanders. And that's when you meet John Languizamo's character, who they really want you to care about, but you just don't give a shit about. He's on you screen just, for like 30 seconds total. You just don't. Um, and like they only have to do like five or something as an extra and they get to go free. But you can't move or do anything as an extra. You're just stuck in place. So you can be shot at any given point in time. Um, and um, you can tell John Leguizamo is acting his heart out for this role. He probably he had a whole backstory and everything, but he made like a whole character and like talking uh, ticks and everything, but he's just gone. <laughs> yeah, just gone. You just don't care that much either. You feel bad as an audience member for not caring. <laughs> um, and uh, you get to meet his wife who works in society as one of the people that gets taken control of. Right. Uh, and and then all of a sudden you get a blast from the past, a song from the Bloodhound Gang. Like, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Yeah, what a great pick. I really um, aged well. And this really shows the darker side of like what people would really do with this. Well, with the society you know, people, one. Yeah, people hurting themselves and laughing about it, making people lick blood. <laughs> like, yeah, and they have to really uh, obscenely show. Uh, try to make this guy look really, really gross. Who's um, taking control uh, of his wife. Okay. So I'm not going to lie. I love this fat guy. <laughs> he's, he's great. <laughs> he was the best personification of like the kind of person that would be into this. And it's like a total like, stereotype of someone who's just like, you know, has food all over them. They're shirtless and they're, I loved him <laughs> grabbing whole handfuls of waffle and yeah. like dunking them. And I looked at that that syrup and that there's no way that was actual syrup. They put some sort of thickener in there, but it like glopped up like like string <laughs> cheese. It was so good. And he's like taking control of uh uh what's his face, his wife in the society game and yeah. making her have sex with a man. So it's you know showing, you know, that would happen, of course. People would, you know, gender swap and that kind of thing because you could. And at this point is where I kind of have this question is they never quite clarify if there's some sort of sensory anything. It doesn't appear that there is, which is kind of weird. He's just watching it on TV. Right. But he's like getting pleasure out of it. But and they never really show what the control schema for that person is. I wish they'd shown just a little bit more of that. Yeah. And like when he was talking, she was saying the words that he was saying. They're coming out of her mouth, but there was no setup. I guess it's just voice controlled, but he was really getting off on it, you know. No kink shaming. Yeah. Um, 
but I love that fat guy. Love that fat guy. <laughs> it's like total, like, I don't know. It just feels wrong today's society to have a movie. It's like, we're putting him in here because he's overweight. So that means he's more gross. It's like, that's just, that's really offensive. <laughs> but Oh no, fatty, us fatties are, we're, we're gross. <laughs> that's not true. No, that is absolutely true. <laughs> You're gross. That As a sense. fat person, I can tell you we're, we're collectively pretty not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it though. That's I encourage terrible. all the other fatties to work on it. <laughs> I have no. We comment. can all we can all get there together. You don't have to comment. I can say these things because I am like morbidly obese. Not morbidly obese. Oh yeah. Really? At one point, probably not anymore. Right now. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. No morbidity. We want you to live a long time. That's right. At least six more years. <laughs> uh, so they another Slayer match comes. He wins again. Uh, and that's when you really get to meet the kid and you realize he is just a shitty teenager. Yeah, they have a teenager who plays Gerard Butler's character in the video game. He's like the king of this game because he's made his character last so long. And he's totally full of himself. Definitely like YouTube generation, like commenting on that. People and, like offer to pay him money to buy cable and women are offering to sleep with him. And, and he says a gay a lot, which is makes you want to hate him even more because he's like, that's so gay and stuff like that. So, yeah, screw him. I think that's what they wanted, though. I think that you they wanted like, oh, this kid is just a shitty teenager. Yeah, I wrote, I, I guess this being, I guess this means we should hate him. I said mission accomplished in my notes. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Castle can't possibly let him win 30. So he sends in a ringer, Terry Crews, who's a great part of this movie. He's the, probably the best part of this movie. I love Terry uh, Crews. Who, who doesn't, who's just an, a psychopath. He's just a crazy mad killer who has no controller. And he's in there, yeah, on his own. He's so he can react faster because the big thing is. If you were in there without a person controlling you, there's no lag on the command. So you can be you could be much better. Um, yeah. yeah. So the human uh, humans give control over to Gerard Butler to control himself so that he well, can they give the kid ability to talk to him first. Right. And they right. like get acquainted. Uh, and then another battle comes and that's when they, they get to talk. And then John Leguizamo <laughs> dies and you just don't care. <laughs> Uh, you get to see a weird scene that like doesn't fit where his wife gets discriminated against. Oh yeah, I forgot all for about being that. like a society member. Yeah, if she goes uh, for a job interview or something, right? Oh, I was trying to get custody right. or kid back. That's what it was. Yeah, it's it's strange. Um, also, it's on a, that same note, in the beginning of the movie, for you Star Trek fans out there, we ooh. have um, um, John Delancey who plays Q in Star Trek. He plays oh, yeah. a random like guy in the company that uh, yeah, like the, the Dexter chief runs executive or something. Yeah. That entire scene was unnecessary and weird and never that character never came back. So there was literally no point to that scene. And like they wasted John Delancey. <laughs> I was just really pissed off about that because he's he's fantastic. Um, and then he, he's in this thing and, and Terry Crews ambushes Dur- Cable, Gerard uh, Butler's character at one point. And then I don't understand what happened. So they specifically said that they wanted Cable dead. Right. That's what happened. And then he's about to fire his gun, and then clearly someone stopped it from happening. And then somehow stopped him from killing him with a piece of pride. But like, I didn't understand what happened there. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a, an idea that since they, um, when the kid gets better and better at the game, he, gets, um, he uses real cash to buy upgrades for his character. And so I'm guessing that could mean that the guns and weapons are tuned into a computer system and they're, you know, labeled and um, serialized. So someone could in theory hack in and stop that gun, but we didn't see any of that. So we have no idea what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and then no. And then not only that, but then he had him on the ground and then like three guards come to restrain Terry Cruz's character. Yeah. And I'm like, if they wanted him dead, why wouldn't they just let that guy kill him? 
That was I weird. I did notice that because as soon as they took his character away, the guards came back for Gerard Butler and were like, he's like going to have to fight them. So they weren't on his side. That made no sense now that you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, your movie's so, great, Steve. It's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, it's a great movie. So now he's back in for his 30th match. Right before he goes out, he drinks an entire bottle of vodka. Right. He doesn't explain yeah, why go, yet. Goes out stumble drunk uh, and gets through the maze. Uh, the kid lets him off the chain so he can finally act on his own. And he finds a truck, throws up the vodka into the gas tank, and then urinates in it. And that somehow and, can make the car drive. And it's able to start the truck. He gets away. The scene with the two plows was like the worst, worst chase scene in the history of cinema. It was plows? Yeah, because it was plows with the blades on the front. Oh, right, right. So these two plows are behind him. So let's start with that. He's in a much lighter, faster vehicle that would have no problem escaping two giant snow plows. They make this big deal of showing them throwing cars out of the way. But they're all behind him. So it's not like anything's escalating for him. <laughs> There's no race. They're just race knocking stakes. cars around. Right, right. And then one crashes into the other. <laughs> I was like, oh, that didn't go anywhere. Oh, I have to mention. Uh, so the writers and directors of this movie, uh, this duo, they're the only thing they've ever done before that was any significance was the Crank series. Uh, and so that makes a lot of sense with that whole scene where he gets drunk really fast and has to run with the booze. And it's kind of comedic. That's the only part in this movie that was kind of comedic. And it was because the same thing they'd done in crank a million times. So it kind of worked in that way. Uh, and then cable gets pronounced dead and it ends up. He lived. He meets the resistance. They go and they find his wife. They try to help free her. Meanwhile, he's running from them and he beats him and Terry Crews have like three more fight scenes somehow. <laughs> Not very good fight scenes. Uh, the kid, so that the shitty teenager gets taken in and, and out of nowhere, bam, Keith David scene. I love Keith David. He, and the scene is delightful. It's he's interrogating the kid. It is delightful. <laughs> um, and then I, once again, they show the fat guy and I love this fat guy. I love that. <laughs> fat guy. Uh, he takes them to a rave. So like while they're run, while Gerard Butler and his wife's character are running from armed men, and his wife is being controlled by big fat guy. They decide to go to the rave and they lead a bunch of gunmen through a dance party. Um, there was one part I felt kind of bad. So uh, his wife, while she's in society, this is a little bit earlier, uh, goes and like meets a creepy guy played by the guy from Heroes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, who, who like, And they go to a hotel room to have sex and she, you can see she doesn't want to do it, but she's under control. And then Gerard Butler's character shows up, picks this guy up, and just breaks his back. And this guy's just a poor sap who's being paid to do this. <laughs> yeah, and like this guy's in the same position as his wife. He's like hard luck, can't work anywhere else, comes to work in society. He's like a shitty pizza boy level guy. <laughs> and Gerard Butler just came and broke his back. Poor guy. <laughs> I felt so bad for that. I felt worse for that guy. Than John, John like Wazamo. <laughs> Okay, that needs to be a reoccurring theme like Raul Julia where we keep saying, I feel worse for this guy than I do for Ron <laughs> Luguzamo. Uh, okay, yeah, but I thought I just thought about that. I was like, this poor bastard. Yeah, it's the guy from This Is Us. He just always has a hard luck with it. <laughs> Movies and TV shows. Uh, 
So somewhere in here, you learned that uh, the the murder that the main guy supposedly did was actually Castle because him and his buddy were two of their first experiments on whether they could make people kill each other or not. Right. They barely attached that in at the end. Um, yeah, they really throw it in. Cable goes to confront the main guy at his like base and makes it inside. And then comes the most self-indulgent, weird musical number that has maybe ever been put into a film. It is so self-indulgent. Because basically, I got you Ca- under my skin. Oh my God. Yeah, Castle can uh, control all his, his servants, I guess. And so he puts on a show for um, Cable to show him how powerful he is by making all of his people do a, an organized dance number in front of him before they fight. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and it's so out of place and really like stops the ending of the film. Uh, so Terry Crews is there, comes out for one final fight and goes out. What I think is like, a, he's like a punk. He goes out like a punk. I forgot what happened to him. He like gets his neck double broken. Mm. Um, so Terry Crews goes down kind of unceremoniously. Uh, and then comes like the final fight where Castle has brought his wife and daughter out to so that he can make cable murder them right uh and then cable takes control and like goes and tries to murder him and here's something i didn't understand about this is that the whole idea of that castle is that like he he didn't need to be physically imposing he had all these people working for him right you know he he had all these henchmen why did they then decide to like make him take his shirt off and show how jacked he is yeah, that doesn't make any sense either. I mean, it's like a 1990s video game mentality that the the millionaire, like a Lex Luthor type, would take their shirt off and also be buff and fight you fist to fist at the end of the movie It's or the end of the game. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's, and it is gamer. It's like a weird donkey kick at one point that like can work in no actual fight. It's like Kirk move, basically, from Star yeah. Trek. <laughs> um, and in the end, Roy Butler goes and he's trying to stop him. But then the hackers boot in the signal and it's the kid who is coming to take cable over to help him finish him off. That's right. And they stab the shit out of Michael C. Hall and Gerard Butler just gets to go free. And there seems to be no repercussions for anyone about anything. Yeah. I wrote a terrible, stupid, inconsequential ending. Very anticlimactic. Uh, could have been so much better. Where are they driving to? Cause they get into a car, him and his wife and, and just drive off into the sunset. Where did they that's get that wrote, car? Where did that's they... what I wrote for yours minus the where are they driving to? <laughs> Why did they cut to a heavy metal music so quickly? That's what I also wrote down. There were a lot of cuts to heavy metal music in in So not once, Cambridge. but twice in this movie are slow motion action sequences played to uh, Marilyn Manson's sweet dreams. That's what you're getting Three yourselves dreams into. Are made of the years when man so that's what you're getting into if you watch this. Movie. <laughs> oh, you're so grungy. Take a shower. <laughs> That's a problem. Is this? I'll get into it later. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have okay, issues. Okay. So now let's talk through surrogates. <laughs> so surrogates. We have Bruce Willis starring in a film uh, about in the near future in 2009. This would have been 2017. It was set in, which we've already oh, passed. Nice. Um, <laughs> but we're basically within 14 years of this movie coming out. They are saying that people will uh, be in these uh, androids that look just like humans, but are stronger, faster, you know, extremely good looking, stay young forever. And so no one really leaves their houses anymore because they go out as a surrogate um, and it's perfectly safe. And crime has gone down because, uh, you know, no one needs to commit crimes anymore and they can't really kill each other because they're uh, all robots. 
And they explain all this very quickly in a very quick montage of, um, yeah, of news, news things and that kind of thing. And uh, James Cromwell is from Star Trek New Contact, our first contact fame. Yeah, Trek Connection. Yeah. He plays the guy who created all this, this company, VSI. Um, and uh, the directors of this film, you should know ahead of time, are uh, he made such great films as Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. And a classic and breakdown with Kurt Russell. And that's it. That's <laughs> definitely a movie. And the two writers made these gems, the net with Sandra Bullock. And oh, that's a great movie. And also Terminator three rise of the machines. <laughs> ah, it's, a, it's a double kill. And I say one note before we continue as well. Uh, my last year living in Boston, because I went to Boston university, they were filming this movie there. And my friends and I were walking down the street and we saw hundreds of dead bodies lying on the ground and we said what the fuck is going on we could see lights that it's in so we figured it was a movie because they were filming lots of movies around at the time uh and we went back home later on apparently it was all over the news because they didn't alert enough people that they were shooting the scene where all these dead bodies fall on the ground or these dead robots right and so they had dummies and extras mixed together all over the ground this this um random street we were walking on in boston it was really (laughs) creepy (laughs) And so I found out later on it was a movie with Bruce Willis. Like that's that's awesome. I got to see some of it being filmed. But I love Bruce Willis. Yeah. So, anyways, we uh, um, where does this start? I can't figure exactly where it starts. Uh, it starts with a rich yuppie white kid in the back of a really nice car. That's correct. Uh, and before that, we learned that there's a guy called the Prophet, played by Ving Rhames, who is the kind of like the humans in the last movie, where he's against all this technology and. Uh, humans using surrogates to you know live their lives so they have these little communes across the united states kind of like reservations where humans that don't use robots or a lot of technology they all stay there together and he's trying to lead like a political uprising to stop this movement and go back to the way we used to be um so now we have um who we find out is james cromwell's son in a limousine supposedly going to the opera but he uh tells the driver to take him to a club so the cool scene in this thing I liked a lot was he goes to the top of the, the second floor of the club. Everyone's dancing downstairs, techno music, and he just free falls down to the bottom and slams to the floor and then gets up and starts dancing because he's in a robot body. So he can do that. Right. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I uh, meet the lady. He goes outside. And then all of a sudden the guy in a motorcycle pulls up something bright flashes and all of a sudden they're dead. Yeah. Like their like eyes explode and yeah. <laughs> So we find we just cut to the police uh, department. It's actually the FBI. And uh, we see a very creepily uncanny valley, young uh, faced Bruce Willis with a hairpiece uh, trying to make him look like a robot version of himself, like a perfect version. But it looks really mm-hmm. weird. I still can't tell if it's CGI or makeup. I don't know what so that was. I really this is something I did not care for here is that everybody else kind of got these subtle looks where they made everyone smooth and. Uh, their color was a little bit off tint, basically, and that's how you could tell the like reels versus the the surrogates. Right. And with Bruce Willis, they just took that and took it way too far. But he's the only one they took it way too far on, because I think that is something different with him because he's the only actor they that was in a robot body that was an old actor. Um, everyone else was a young was and weird. for everyone else in the movie, their real body they aged them up, and then in their their surrogate body they were just using their regular face because they're already a young actor so it's like he, he looked really strange because they either put a lot of makeup on him and weird lighting or really weird bad cgi but i don't think they had that kind of cgi back then 10 years um, ago yeah it's it's not the best let's just agree on that so he's assigned with his partner to uh investigate this case of uh <clears throat> because they find out that the um 
uh, well, they can't get in touch with the the owners of the uh, uh, the surrogates that were killed, and one of them's not even registered. The, the the young boy's surrogate wasn't registered, so they go on a search and they find out that the um, the woman who was killed with the boy, her actual body was killed the same time as her robot body was killed because old the, fat white guy. That's right, and they're surprised that it's a a man portraying a woman. I'm like, by then you should not be surprised by this. Yeah, like, there would this, be no surprise. That happens all the time at this point. <clears throat> That's right. Uh, and then somehow they trace the other body back. Uh, oh, it's when uh, a young boy at a universe, a young man at a university is found dead from similar circumstances. And it turns out it's the son of James Cromwell's character. Right. Who was using, as they arrived to meet him, not his own surrogate. He was using one of his father's surrogates. Which we don't find out till later. But yeah, that's a big no-no. Apparently you're supposed to like have your own assigned surrogate and that's it or something. No, you find it out when they go to interview him. Oh, later on, yeah, when they go to interview. Oh, that's not too far from now. That's true. So they go to interview, um, because they find out it's his son. They go to interview James Cromwell, and uh, he's just like, you know, you need to find who killed my son. I know I have these illegal surrogates that I, you know, my son uses, but hey, I created these things. I can do what I want kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm rich. Rich bitch. Uh, Yeah. And so they end the interview as him, like, basically yelling, and then he starts crying in real life and pauses his surrogate. Yeah. And then uh, we have... Uh, they find out who was in the video of who originally killed his son. And they find it's this like um, just common criminal. So Bruce Willis goes chasing after him. Um, they finally track him by helicopter. Uh, he shoots the crazy surrogate killer gun up to the helicopter. So the helicopter is crashing right into the reservation where the guy was running to, uh, where all the, um, the prophet and all his people are. Yeah, where all the non-robot people are. And they hate them. And as soon as Bruce Willis is there, they're all after him. There's like a mob forming to take out. Bruce Willis' surrogate, which is now missing an arm. That's what they can tell you surrogate, too, because he's got like an arm missing and didn't even face him. Uh, there's a pretty good chase scene, which I, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, because they show how the surrogates are powerful. They can just jump like almost like Superman back in the day would just make tall leaps, you know? Yeah. Uh, chases him down. Finally, he has him cornered and then bam, gets shot with a shotgun and destroyed. And so then his surrogate's out and Bruce Willis's face it has to face the cold, harsh reality of being real. And he's in trouble with his bosses because he crashed an airplane or a helicopter into the protected human reservation zone uh, where robots right. and stuff can't go. So he's in trouble. He has to take a administrative leave. Give me a gun, uh, your badge. <laughs> uh, so he goes, there's a little bit of a fun scene where he goes and like almost rents a new surrogate, but decides against it. And apparently uh, that scene, a couple of the surrogates standing there were porn stars. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, and then he decides that he can go and investigate better because now that he's not a surrogate, he can go to the reservations and he can go try to find this guy. Right. So he goes in and pretty stupidly for an FBI agent, just like immediately approaches the prophet himself, Ving Rhames. I want to talk to the prophet. And these two guys just beat the shit out of three guys. just Beat the crap. Yeah. Out of him. <laughs> and he's like, get out of here. So he make has to leave and he's all beat up now. Yeah. He gained nothing. Just nothing from that interaction. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch, so this whole time, his wife, uh, is, uh, basically addicted to being in the surrogate body and never leaves her uh, machine. Uh, she wants to stay in the, in her, that surrogate body all the time. He misses her. He wants to see her real face. Um, apparently their kid at some point died in a car accident. She's what she was injured in her face from the car accident and she has health problems because of it. She's taking lots of pills. So she doesn't like being outside of the machine. Uh, and that causes tension. Yeah. And stuff. He goes to the hospital because they're getting beat up and stuff. Uh, and his wife thinks he's still going to be in the hospital, but he wants to go 
do investigations into the whole case. So he goes home and she's there with a bunch of people partying and they are, you know, using robot drugs. <laughs> yeah, it's like a robo bong. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, on the other side of town, uh, I think it's that night, his partner, who's in her pod, uh, gets shot to death. Yeah. Uh, and then then suddenly the bad guys now have her surrogate. Yeah, they've basically hacked into her and she gets access to FBI files. Basically, the prophet wants to get this gun that was used on the surrogates that kills them because that's an unknown thing. They don't know how you would kill a surrogate and then have it kill the host. That never happens. Right. Uh, uh, and they find out eventually uh, Bruce Willis goes to the military and they tell him that, you know, eventually tell him that they designed that thing, but they thought they destroyed them all. Um, so somebody's trying to kill James Cromwell with this gun or something, I guess. <laughs> it gets a little, <laughs> little complicated here. Yeah, it gets a little bit complicated. So they go to stop the prophet. They like send a raid to get him. Uh, and then it turns out that Ving Rams was a robot the whole time. Yeah, they accidentally shoot him, and he's like a robot body bleeding. And then you find out that he's a robot, and that he was in control by James Cromwell's character. Because he's ashamed of his creation, and he wants to destroy it. Right. So he... But this is where things got really, really complicated. Because who was trying to kill James Cromwell, then, from the beginning? Nobody. I don't understand who that was. He, He paid... Okay, so James Cromwell is the guy who supplied the gun to the common criminal because he says, I don't know. We only talked by phone and and I never saw his face or got his name. Like, so it was James Cromwell gave it to him to use against all the humans to use against the surrogates. I don't know. No, because the the guy was particularly trying to use that gun to kill James Cromwell because he thought that body was James Cromwell in that body. So he he was singling him out, like following him. And so they were trying to kill James Cromwell, but it turns out it was his son the using the, it turned out it was his son using the body. So I'm trying to figure out who gave that guy. Oh, it was VSI. We did find that out later on. Okay. Because remember the, the board of directors wanted him dead because he was um, so against what they were doing. Remember the cop, oh, God. the cop was remember. like in with it. <laughs> it was very confusing. Sorry, audience. We're confused <laughs> as you movie, are. <laughs> this movie gets real complicated, real complex. <laughs> yeah. Like real quickly. Okay. So James Cromwell done it. That's what you need to understand. Right. Uh, they go to stop him. Uh, the the he ends up in his female ex partner, who's now dead surrogate body, and it made the the ending of the movie really hard to take serious because they kept doing these like tense cuts, where it's like her doing something actiony and then cutting to Bruce Willis in a chair, <laughs> yeah, and then her doing something actiony and then back to Bruce Willis in the chair. It was re- <laughs> it was really goofy. And there's actually a great guy who plays like the. Uh- the overseer guy at the computer, this whole movie. Um, he's, he likes being in a human body, but he works like the FBI or BSI. I can't remember. He was, um, he was a great part of the movie. Yeah. He was a comedic relief kind of thing. And just like um, he, he's the one who has access to hacking and all that stuff. But basically they try to put the gun. They try to attach the gun to the grid so that it takes out all the surrogates and the humans who use them at the same time. Um, so they're able to, at the last minute deactivate that. So that doesn't kill everybody but then he still bruce willis decides at the last minute to let it go ahead and kill all the surrogates so the humans are still safe but every single surrogate in the entire world is shut down immediately at the same time and destroyed so uh that's kind of like his he decides at the last minute because he's he's misses his wife and he's come to realization he hasn't liked these surrogates and so that's kind of a the end there isn't it 
Kind of. Um, some, something to throw in. Uh, the guy that you mentioned is Devin Rattray, and most of our viewers would know him as Buzz from the Home Alone movies. Oh, really? His, like, mean older brother. He's That's a child right. actor. I forgot about that. Devin Rattray, he, is, he does a great job, and, and you're right, is kind of one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, because it's like um, kind of the one less, less morose parts of the movie. And the one thing that I think is kind of crazy that the, the ending was like, oh, everyone's waking up and coming out. But this would be a catastrophic event for all society. Oh, yeah. And planes would fall out of the sky. And all of society relies on these things doing their job for everything. Now you're going to have a bunch of like physically atrophied, tense people with anxiety, which they mentioned that. Yeah. Um, like heading out into the world. But the world would be shut down. It would take, take them back like collapse. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, you know, I think they kind of like treat it lighthearted a little bit. I did like, though, that every time someone got out of one of their like um, their surrogate beds, they would like have a hard time standing and they seemed kind of weak, you know, and their legs ached and stuff. And it's like, oh, I, yeah. I, I like they at least approached that. They didn't like just ignore that whole fact. Yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about why one of our movies is better than the other. Clearly, uh, you first, buddy. All right, so my first point for why Gamer is better than Surrogates is that you get just some grade-A, over-the-top action sequences. <sighs> Gerard Butler running, gunning. You get to watch guys on motorcycles on fire. People hit by, by cars and trucks. People explode, heads exploding. I'm talking about some A-plus, top-notch action in Gamer. All right. Well, my first point directly counteracts that. Mine says better action sequences by far. First of all, because you can't tell what the hell is going on in Gamer. They cut every 3.3 seconds. Um, It's so dark and gritty. You can't tell what's happening. Uh, The chase scenes in in the surrogate were great. They had um, helicopters and explosions and jumping surrogates from like the chase scenes were great. Um, Okay. They had one helicopter. They had one chase scene. They had two chase scenes, like the, the like on foot chase explosions. scenes. And then she chases him in the car when she's going through the city and she's like, and he barrels over like 20 people. Okay. It was amazing. Two chase scenes, one helicopter, one explosion. But the ones that were actually there were so much better than Gamer because I couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. That is true. There uh, were a lot of quick cuts, a lot of like random little slow And it's handheld moments. camera on top of a bunch of cuts. So it's like, ah, my eyes. That's, that's fair. <laughs> All right. My second point for why Gamer is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I think it showed more accurately what the terrible nowadays people would do with this technology. <laughs> like that big fat guy renting a woman and making her go have sex with a man who's a guy wearing like all latex who's called like rape Dave or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think like, he was. I think that that depiction of what, of what would happen is was much more accurate than the altruistic like most signs of racism have dried up thanks to this <laughs> it's like i was like yeah huh mm-hmm. yep all right due so to that, our current state of our our particular country that we live in i completely agree with you yeah <laughs> i have no counterpoint to that yeah it's sadly the realistic truth if we had this technology what would happen yeah it would not be altruistic we'd not be living in some sort of awesome futuristic society it would be people like Making other people fuck people in pools of jelly while they laugh and then lick blood. <laughs> like 
Because humans are terrible. Because humans are terrible. God. You add the anonymity of the internet to that. Oh, and, my, oh God. my God. We would all be eating waffles dipped in <laughs> syrup. <laughs> I want that fat bastard to feed me a handful of waffles. <laughs> I want to dunk him in that slime oh. first. <laughs> All right. Uh, My uh, second point. Uh, I'll say surrogates got its tone better. Um, a big thing that was a problem with uh, Gamer is that if you watch Crank, the movie they made before this and the Crank sequels, it knows what it is. It's super silly, super fast paced, super just like intense carnage and, and laughs. And they're good at that. Those movies are really fun. They're stupid, but they're really fun. And then they made Gamer, and most of the movie is really gritty and serious and brooding. And and then you have these weird moments that don't fit, like a really quirky John Leguizamo and uh, the dance sequence and just an over-the-top like cartoon villain who is the main bad guy. Uh, whereas Surrogates, it feels like the same movie throughout the entire thing. It feels like a you know pretty... Uh, polished Hollywood film and it's you know it has a serious tone but there's good comedic moments there's a kind of a little bit of everything uh, no random characters you don't see again um, everyone plays their part so it's less of a garbled mess of images than Gamer was fair alright so my third and final point uh-huh. uh, is I, I and I'll walk away from this debate if you can give me this uh, I need you to name one scene in your movie that was better than that delightful Keith David scene <laughs> in Gamer. If you can name one thing in your movie that was legitimately just just more delightful than that, I'll walk away. That scene with him and the kid and the nut butter like back and forth <laughs> was so good. Was so good. What do you say they at make, the end there? I forgot. Like it makes it makes pistachio butter. Yeah, it's delicious, man. You gotta try it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what they're good at in those crank movies. If they had done more of that, it would have been fantastic. And he's like credited as himself. His character's name is Detective Keith. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, he, he was obviously there as like a favor to someone. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that scene alone uh, makes Gamer entirely worth it. I wish that uh, the prophet in my movie was replaced with Keith David. That would have been great. Oh, man. Ving Rhames was good, though. Ving Rhames is better when he's playing Ving Rhames. Like... Mission Impossible role, movies, he's perfect. Kind of throw away. Yeah, he's just, I don't think he was good at that kind of gravitas, but he's great at like being Ving Rhames. But anyways, well, my last point is acting. I think uh, besides Keith David, we can all give Keith David his due. <laughs> but Bruce Willis still, this is when the last, one of the last movies where Bruce Willis still cared enough to try to act. And he actually was delivering his lines and freaking acting in this movie. Like the scenes with his wife, like you really felt like he cared. Um, cause I was really impressed cause I've seen him recently and he just, he phones in everything now. He doesn't give a shit about any movie he's in. Um, and the supporting cast was great and my, will I'm not going to counter this entirely, but James Cromwell, I do love a lot. He's great. In everything he's in. I've seen him once in person and he is a giant. Um, I was at an event for a film festival in Miami and he was walking at this after party and he was towering above everyone in the entire room. <laughs> it was just like, he's a, he's a, he's great. Yeah. I think um, he's like six, four. Yeah, it seems like he's taller than that, but maybe he was like in heels or something. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) yeah, the cast did a great job in Surrogates. I think there was just much better acting. And if they had had more John Leguizamo in Gamer, we could have been saved. But (laughs) they just didn't. I don't feel bad for him at all. I like John Leguizamo. I liked him ever since Spawn. I thought he was great. I feel worse for the guy from Heroes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I got his back broke. I feel worse for that guy. 
know what's funny? I saw that guy in Heroes, and he has the same sideways mouth talking thing that uh, that uh, Sylvester Stallone has. Yeah. And so I was always like, oh, he should play his son in a movie or something. And then in Rocky Five, or uh, not just Rocky, I think it was called that one that came out. He played, yeah, he, played his son. he played his son. And now in Creed Two, he was in back in it playing his son. I was like, yes, that was perfect casting. Uh, all right. Well, I, who who won that one? Who knows? Who cares? You tell us, audience. Uh, they're both okay. <laughs> I think Surrogates is a little more watchable. Gamer is a great concept, but man, it was just... <sighs> I think it depends on what, what you want to watch. I think if you want to watch something that's like a little bit deeper, maybe Surrogates. If you just want action and stupid, then, then Gamer is for you. Yeah, that's Gamer's true. all for you. Uh, all right. So, uh, let's talk about the, so to talk about surrogates, I've got just a few fun facts about robots. Nice. Uh, so the word robot itself comes from the Czech word robota, which means like drudgery or terrible work. Wow. I didn't know Uh, that. And the first place it appeared as the word robot was at a 1921 play in which a robot robots were built and then they killed all humans. Uh, wow. It's like the first time it was used. (laughs) Sure. That's depressing. Uh, United States military has all kinds of robots, drones and scouts, but most notable over the, the, the Middle East wars have been the pack bots, which are like little tanks with these robot arms on them that supposedly were used in the search for Osama bin Laden. And we all, and that went well. Yeah, um, apparently. So they, uh, so they're made by this manufacturer called iRobot, uh, which is more commonly known because they also make the Roomba. That's right. They sold 2 million Roombas. That's how they fund their military operations. Uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, Bristol Robotics Lab uh, is developing. This guy is developing these fuel cells that run off of bacteria that's produced by rotting apples. Whoa! Uh, and then a fun fact: all androids are robots, but not all robots are androids. Uh, a robot made to resemble a human is an android, right? Versus other just random robots that look like other things. I learned uh, that distinction from the Rusted Robot podcast, which initially uh, featured a, a different robot every week when they first started, but then they realized that wasn't tenable, so they <laughs> there they, were not enough robots. <laughs> there's probably a lot of robots they could they could do, but yeah, they they moved on to you know bigger and broader things. And with Japan's demographic growing rapidly and rapidly older, there's companies investing huge amounts of money into care bots. Yes, who you know go room to room and distribute medication and check vitals and do these sort of things it's important yeah. and they have that the like they can lift you off your bed and stuff oh and there's all sorts of one yeah, yeah all sorts of stuff i wouldn't want one to because if that thing's miscalibrated it's going to break me in half that's in half yeah <laughs> accurate uh, all right well, yeah those are just some fun facts to take us out of our, our copycat cinema and bring us right into some trailer reviews here at a play on nerds we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system at the low low end of the scale we have burn it where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire to burn it fahrenheit 451 style and second from the bottom we have we'll see maybe the trailer was too short maybe it was cut oddly or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched Uh, we'll see Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. 
The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for a play on nerds. All right, we had two interesting trailers kind of fall into our lap at the last moment. Yeah. And I'll talk about the one that I kind of dug up, and it's called Ma. Here it is. Are you going to meet a boy? No sex or booze. Okay. Woo! Baggy came to party. Let's get filthy. Excuse me, can you buy some booze for my friends and I? Not interested. Please? Hell. Ooh, there's my girl. This never happened, okay? Thanks again for doing this, ma'am. You guys want to party like rock stars? Follow me. Let's get drunk! The bar is open. What do you think? We don't know this chick. It ain't much, but it's all you. Cool basement. You're free to do whatever you want down here, but nobody go upstairs. This is so sick. Welcome to Mars. What? Love Ma. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> How did she get our numbers? You know where the party is. Mm. Those earrings are beautiful, Maggie. You got a sweet mama, huh? Who are you with? Just some kids from school. <laughs> you have a boyfriend. <laughs> Men are dogs. There's something off about Ma. Seriously? She's harmless. <laughs> And her basement's pretty much the best drinking spot in town. We can't go up there. Shh. Oh. What the hell? Thanks for these earrings. What happened last night? You don't know to do you. Are you guys mad at me for something? I don't want to hang out at Ma's anymore. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. Max, I want you to meet someone. Nice to meet you, Maggie. We went to high school together. Why is my son? He smelled just like your daddy. Spending time at your house. Hey, guys. That bitch is crazy. Probably something wrong with me. How does it feel to be on the outside looking in? Let's get this party turned up. All right. So if you can't tell from the audio, basically what's happening is you want to describe Steve? Yeah, it's about kids meeting this woman who invites them back to her place to drink and she ends up being weird and stalking them and getting information about them and holding things over their heads. Um, I think it looks really interesting. It's got uh, Octavia Spencer. Is that her name? Yep. Uh, Who's a great actress and a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think this trailer really suffered, suffered from showing us way too much. Yeah. We know like the whole movie now, almost way too much. Either that, or there's some huge hook that we don't know. Yeah. Cause like, I think it looks like a really unique plot like that we have not seen before, like a random woman supplying teen drinks for her teenagers in her basement. And then she's stalking their parents, uh, or she had gone to high school with them and she's still like obsessed with them. And that's like really interesting and different. I've never seen it like that before. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. It'll probably get a, a give it a buck for me. I'm not going to go see this in theaters, but if it shows up in red box or on iTunes, I'll definitely check it out. Right. I'm doing give it a buck as well. Cause I love watching horror movies in general and I only watch them at home unless 
random people want to see them with me, but no one wants to see horror movies with me. So that's what happens. <laughs> All right. So our next movie is something I'm excited about. Really short trailer here, uh, especially when I cut it out just to the dialogue. It's uh, for Tolkien. Tell me a story. It's a story about journeys. The journeys we take to prove ourselves. It's about inventions. It's about potent magic. Magic beyond anything anyone has ever felt before. About what it means to love and to be loved. About courage. It's about fellowship. Get it? Fellowship of the Ring. (laughs) (laughs) So, I have to say that I've been in love with Tolkien since Steve's dad introduced me to Lord of the Rings in middle school at a bookstore. And I started reading every single thing I could lay my hands on that was by Tolkien. I read all the short stories, the unfinished tales, the Silmarillion. Uh, I read his biography. And then the movies came out. And when the first trailer for Lord of the Rings came out, I was like, holy shit. I mean, everyone watched it. It was amazing. Um, I, I remember sitting in my room with uh, maps of Middle Earth, just imagining that this was the real world, but just happened before our civilization. And that one day we would find the Shire in an archaeological dig somewhere. <laughs> I thought that would happen. But uh, anyways, needless to say, it's a uh, shut up and take my money for me because uh, I'm just really glad that it actually looks like a good movie, too. Yeah, it just looks like the, uh, uh, you know, a biopic about J.R.R. Tolkien and his time in the war and the environment that he was in that influenced the, or the world that he created. I think it looks really interesting. Yeah, so, and the actor is a guy who played Beast in the new uh, X-Men movies. Uh Oh, that's right. Who was dating uh, Jennifer Lawrence for a long time there. He's a good um, actor. Yeah, but I'll give this also give it a buck. I won't go see this in theaters, but if it shows up on my TV screen, I'll be happy about it. Oh, it's it's a... Shut up and take my money! From me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it looks like it's well made and just the story of his life. And he's kind of fascinating life. I mean, he was a, a linguist, and that's kind of why he made those books in the first place, because he wanted to make a history for his elven language that he created. So he made this story after making the language, which is crazy. He's just a fascinating character. Hmm. Anyways, so that brings us some radical recommends. Radical recommends. Recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, what you got for us this week, Steve? Oh, all right. So this week I've got. I've been watching, and I've been watching some like random YouTube stuff. A few weeks ago, it was the Canada Ants guy. Yeah, that's uh, right. This week, it's a different guy who has a very specific interest, but because he's so passionate about it, it really gets you into it. It's a guy uh, in his YouTube. You can find him on at Steve nineteen eighty nine M R E info. Good name, not, Steve. Not the smoothest name, but you get all the information you need right there. What was it? One more time, yeah. Steve nineteen eighty nine M R E info. Okay, and M R E means meal ready to eat, and what he does is he finds military rations from all different points in history and different countries and he opens and reviews them with what's inside of them fascinating he opens modern stuff and you get to see some of the crazy freeze drying techniques and the reheating techniques and you know uh you know they've got these bags where you open up you put a food bag in it you pour water in and the water activates something and cooks the food like it's incredible some of the stuff in the modern ones and then he opens up these really old ones and you get to see candy from companies that haven't been around in 90 years. Oh my gosh. In perfect condition in these little tin cans they've been sealed in. So you can still eat it? 
some of it yes some of it he does he eats as much as he feasibly can right safely there's some <laughs> stuff where it's like rancid and he won't eat it um but yeah he's chocolate he loves he loves powdered coffees like that's his big review is he always <laughs> wants to know how the coffee is and then you give it mre and he loves it when they throw in things like little survival things like matches or portable stoves and it's just really cool to see this ingenuity of what people have come up with to keep people alive over the years yeah, that's fascinating. It's just a random, very niche subject. Oh, super niche. But uh, and he talks about you can see foods, weird foods from other countries. Must and cost he, a fortune to buy all these things to find them. Maybe some of them are clearance, but some of them are certainly vintage. And there are ones that he opens that you can clearly see he regrets opening. <laughs> like there was one he opened that was a uh, it was a lifeboat ration, and inside were basically these rolls of charms candy. They, they make uh, the blow pops still made by charms. Okay. Uh, but this company and they were per in perfect condition from like 1908. Oh, the wrappers wow. are still immaculate, like in no age because they've been protected from air and light. It's like the, he's opening these little time capsules. In yeah. Some cases. That's what it feels like. Um, so I recommend him once again, Steve 1989 MRE info. I recommend check it out. He's got all sorts of fun stuff. You get to watch him review opening up MREs. Awesome. I think our buddy Patrick would really love that too. That's something he'd Probably. be really into. That's great. Well, this week for my radical recommends, I have been binging uh, Oscar films. The storks Ooh. have handed me a lot of them. I'm trying to watch all of them before it happens. I think this coming weekend on Sunday, um, it just thinks it's my, right. it's my birthday week this week. So I'm kind of like doing lots of things for a birthday party and all that jazz. So I'm having less and less time, but I've gotten through most of them. Only a few I have left. So I'm just going to go through real quickly. Uh, I, I usually watch every year the ones nominated for Best Actor, Actress, Supporting, Actor and Actress, uh, Screenplay, Original Screenplay, uh, Director, and Cinematography. I sometimes try to get through, but I get through all of those. So Vice, I saw, it was just meh. It was all right. Okay. Uh, it's, it's just a story about our Dick Cheney, and it's, it's not anything groundbreaking. Uh, the wife with uh, Glenn Close, actually very good. Uh, she does a wonderful performance. It's a character piece all about her. Uh, and But it's just, it's kind of, it's moving. It's interesting. Uh, it's basically about her husband wins the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, or no, the uh, one for literature, whatever that one is. The, yeah. The big one. And, uh, and how she's having to live through him and instead of having her own life and explores that. It gets some interesting points. Uh, Star is born. Uh, Lady Gaga. The, uh, what's his face? Um, yeah, I love what's his face. Yeah, that, that guy. But Stars Born with Lady Gaga and what's his face. Uh, it actually was really good, really moving, entertaining. Um, not the best movie in the world. People are way overblowing it, but it's just it was actually solid and entertaining. Recommend it. It's a okay. it's a third time remake. They've made three remakes of this. Wow. Uh, but it's very different than the others. Uh, Can you ever forgive me? Melissa McCarthy in her first really dramatic turn. Um, she plays an actual historical figure, a, an, an author who was failing. And so she started forging letters from famous authors of the past so she could sell them to make money. And she did this for a long time until she was caught by the FBI and eventually, you know, arrested. So really, it's actually really fun. Good story. It's still comedic, but it's, it's her dramatic turn. It's a, it's a good role. Uh, at eternity's at eternity's grace. It's a uh, Willem Dafoe playing uh, Vincent van Gogh. Okay. Very boring, slow slog. Uh, he's great in it, but it's just, it's, it's a boring, slow, slow movie. And I'm pr usually pretty good with those, but this is slow, pretty, okay. but slow Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, the biopic of Freddie Mercury. Uh, not very good. I think the problem is Freddie Mercury sucks. Um, 
what's his face from Mr. Robot. He's good Mr. Robot because he plays a guy with no personality, but he can't play Freddie Mercury, who's got all the personality in the world. Uh, so terrible casting choice. Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play it originally, but just uh, negotiations fell out. He would have been great yeah. in that role. Um, so it was decent, but not very good. Uh, if Beale Street could talk, uh, it's a movie about a woman, a black woman who gets pregnant in the 60s. She's like 19, but her husband gets falsely accused of rape. So he goes to jail. Very heavy, very slow moving, very pretty movie to watch. Uh, but overall, just eh. <laughs> first reformed uh, Ethan Hawke playing a priest who gets uh, obsessed with uh, climate change. All right. It's pretty good. Great performances. Kind of depressing. Uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. We talked about before. And I think I recommended it before. Uh, that's up for like a screenplay, original screenplay. Uh, fantastic. Watch it on Netflix for free. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Just loved it. It's so good. Glad it's up for something. Yeah. Original screenplay. It's up for that at least. I wish it had more because it deserves more, but that's what it is. Uh, then Green Book, which is my favorite of all these uh, so far. Uh, that's with uh, Mahash- Mah- I can't say his name. Mahashala Ali. I think that's how you pronounce it. And Viggo Mortensen. Okay. Uh, Mahashala Ali plays a, a, a classical pianist back in the uh, 60s, early 60s, I believe. And he wants he makes a lot of money in the north because uh, living in New York and stuff like that. He even lives above Carnegie Hall. This is a real person who existed. Uh, and so he's very wealthy and he plays for wealthy people. But he wants to do a tour of the south uh, and go to all these like plantation homes and these like very wealthy people having parties and play for them because they'll pay him a lot of money. So he hires uh, Viggo Mortensen, who's like kind of like an Italian uh, ex mobster kind of protection guy uh, as his driver. And so these two people just grow together in this long road trip. They go on to take him to these different gigs in the South where he's to protect this guy. And he's racist to begin with. And then by the end of the movie, you know, like he's kind of like the, the relationship develops and it's, it's, it's funny and it's a heartwarming moving. Uh, but it was the best one of all of them. So green book is my recommendation. Uh, so, so is, is it up for the best picture? Yes. Green book is up for best picture. So with the movies you've seen, if you had to pick one to win the Oscar right now, you'd say green book. If it was me choosing, yes, but I think okay. they're going to be schlocks and they're going to pick like a star is born or something. Okay. That's um, fair. And I haven't seen Roma, the favorite cold war or black Klansman yet. Uh, I've heard, I'm going to see all of them, but black Klansman I've heard is really good too. So uh, we'll see. Okay. And lastly, coffee. Uh, I recommend getting a French press coffee maker. That's all I can say. Cause uh, I've had coffee makers for years, like Mr. Coffee and they eventually always make me sick. Even if I were to clean them out thoroughly, uh, but now I have a French press and I don't get sick anymore and the coffee is much better. So French press coffee makers go for oh, it. We had one for a long time. We yeah, loved it. it's more work, like maybe 10 minutes more to get a cup of coffee. But hey, it's worth it. It's a great one person solution for coffee. Yes, I am one person. So that's why I like it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us for what ended up being a long episode, but we had a lot to cover and we've been gone for a little bit. It's so true. You'll get over it. Uh, thanks for joining us keep coming on back uh, for episode 115 I guess we don't know what we're talking about yet but it's going to be exciting oh we do know what we're talking about we do yes for next episode we're covering all things Captain Marvel before the movie comes out so be ready for that folks we'll do do, uh, some we'll we'll get you the information you need that's right Uh, but until then keep on coming back we will keep being your nerdy co-host as long as you keep being our nerdy audience thanks again internet stay nerdy my friends Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. 
Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. And how.